Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Syracuse Sports. I'll be your host. My name is Brent, and we have got a goodie for you today, friends. I have wanted to have this guy on the podcast since we started the Syracuse Sports Podcast, and we have him today, I think, and I'm going to use this word, one of the more unique college basketball analysts out there, John Rothstein, CBS Sports he has a great podcast, College Basketball Today, collegebasketballtoday.net is his website. Uh, but mostly, I think John is known to maybe most of you for some unique expressions that he uses on social media, right? We sleep in May. Fill in the blank team, lost a bye game, the epitome of brutality. Some people have hobbies. I watch college basketball, right? But... You can count on it. In the offseason, speaking of counting, John will count down how many days there are to college basketball. The man lives, eats, breathes everything college basketball. So we had him on today to get his perspective on Syracuse, to get his perspective on Adrian Autry taking over the program. What's going on in the ACC? How come only two ACC programs are ranked at the moment? How can college basketball be better? We talked about the transfer portal and the NCAA tournament and who gets in and how. And I think you're going to enjoy a good, meaty college basketball conversation. It spreads to the Syracuse Sports Podcast. So John Rothstein coming up here shortly. But I do want to remind you guys to become a Syracuse Sports Insider. We're roaring here in 2024. People are signing up every day. Why don't you join the party? And by being a Syracuse Sports Insider, and the best way to do that, friends, is just text the word ORANGE. To 315-847-3895, you'll get a sign-up sent right back to you. And the cool thing is you get to try it free for two weeks. See what's coming your way. You text me directly. I text you directly. It could be questions, comments, certainly opinions. I am always seeking your feedback for these podcasts, your ideas, what you want to hear, and direct questions that get highlighted and prioritized on this podcast. One of the cool things too about being an insider is the back and forth we have during games. We're watching the games together, right? It's better than Twitter. It's better than social media because you're just texting me directly. I text you back and the great back and forth that's happening. Try it free for two weeks. It's just $3.99 a month after that. And we would love to have you be a part of the Syracuse Sports Insider community. So Check it out. Again, text the word orange to 315-847-3895. You know, when I was getting ready to do this podcast, sent out a text to our insider saying, hey, guys, got John Rothstein coming on the pod. What do you want to hear about? What do you want to know? And your comments, your questions, your opinions get funneled directly into this podcast. So without further ado, let's bring him in, folks. Red Bleans Orange. It's John Rothstein. CBS Sports, College Basketball Today podcast. Let's hear from the College Hoops Insider. You know, some people have hobbies, but this man watches college basketball. It spreads to the Syracuse Sports Podcast, friends. A pleasure to welcome in from CBS Sports, College Basketball Today, the website and the podcast, because we know red bleeds orange, ladies and gentlemen. The one and only John Rothstein is with us. John, thanks for coming on today. How are you, man? Brent, always great to be with you. If I can just change the plug, it's collegehoopstoday.net. But thank you for the plug. 
There you go. CollegeHoopsToday.net. My apologies on that. A website that people should be going to daily. And the podcast is fantastic as well. So make sure you subscribe to that. John, it's actually appropriate that we're talking today. 128 years ago today. Do you know what happened? Fill me in. University of Chicago beat Iowa 15-12 to in the first five-on-five college basketball game. So happy anniversary to college basketball pretty much as we know it. Right what there. a quote, Randy Quaid and National Lampoon's Christmas Vocation. If I woke up tomorrow with my face sewed to the carpet, I wouldn't be as surprised as I am right now that that would be the first kind of topic <laughs> transition. So, Brent, this is 2024, and you still sharp, is still sharp as a tack, my friend. Fantastic. Good stuff. Let's start with Syracuse, of course, John. And, and uh, for the folks listening and watching out there on YouTube, we are speaking before Syracuse takes on Pittsburgh on Tuesday night. So just take that into account. But I just wanted to get your view of what you've seen from Syracuse under Coach Red Autry and just kind of where the orange can go from here as they're getting in the thick of it in ACC play. You know, Red's done a good job, I would say, at this point of the season from, you know, a resume perspective. Syracuse hasn't truly helped or hurt itself yet. The concern is the state of the ACC. And you start thinking about the amount of opportunities that a team like Syracuse, who as of today does not have a single quad one win that could change if Syracuse is to win at Pitt later tonight. But, you know, that's the one concern that I have. As of today, when we're taping this on Tuesday, there are five teams from the ACC ranked in the top 52 of the net. And that's kind of, Brent, aligning with what we've seen from the ACC over the past two years. Now, in each of the past two seasons, the ACC has only put five teams in the NCAA tournament. With that said, the ACC, though, has performed very well in the NCAA tournament, had two teams, Duke and North Carolina in the 2022 Final Four, and then Miami, another team in the 2023 Final Four. So the ACC, I believe, in the last two NCAA tournaments is a combined 21 and 10, but only a third of the conference has made the field. That's only five out of 15 teams. Sticking with Red for a minute, John, obviously this is still very early here. He had some time to kind of prep for it, knowing that eventually he would take over for Jim Beheim, but you got to see it play out, right? Have you seen anything or is there anything that you can project that maybe Red Autry needs to do different with Syracuse basketball? And do you see things that he's doing that Jim Beheim did that he should stick with? You know, Red's coaching with conviction. He has not obviously went right to the 2-3 zone. He's putting his imprint on the team. There's a little bit more burst, a little bit more athleticism with this roster. I like what he's done with the makeup of the team. He's not married to having a traditional five-man like Syracuse is at standing in the middle of the paint. He's done a really good job with Malik Brown. I like the bounce of Starling. I like, obviously, the combination of him, him and Mintz. Chris Bell has reminded me at times of James Sutherland, that type of a player who could stretch the defense. There's a lot of good things with Syracuse right now. The big concern that I have, Brent, in addition to the limited opportunities that this team is going to have to move the needle is Syracuse is not a great passing team. The assists are just slightly over the turnovers for the season. And Syracuse is not a particularly great shooting team. So with all that said, you know, as we are sitting here right now in mid-January, Syracuse is going to have to play better than it's played so far to find itself in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2021. And I think that's one of the things that, frankly, has hurt the ACC over the last couple of years. We have seen Syracuse and Florida State go from being real factors nationally 
to now being non-factors. And think about this for a second, because I was there for almost a month in the bubble in Indianapolis in 2021. Florida State and Syracuse were sweet 16 teams in 2021. Florida State lost to Michigan. Syracuse lost to Houston. Those programs haven't played in the NCAA tournament since. And when you add to that, Tony Bennett struggling at Virginia. And when you add to that, a rebuild at Notre Dame, the ACC can't be the ACC without those programs flourishing. And we haven't even mentioned Louisville, who when Rick Pitino was the coach, was obviously a top 10 team nationally. Yeah, just to follow up on that, John, as we speak, there's only two teams in the rankings in the ACC. And if I had said to you, give me two teams out of the ACC just randomly at any time that are in the poll, the first two names that are going to come to mind are Duke and North Carolina, and that's who's there. So what does that say about the ACC now? And look, there's a long way to go here, but at the same time, it'll be March before you know it, right? Yeah. What does the ACC and these teams that are not there have to do to get those teams in in the poll to have the success they've had in the tournament in the past? You got to get there before you can have the success. And right now, you know that list is not very long of teams that can get there, and the poll is pretty empty, uh, more than usual of ACC teams. Well, and Brent, I think another thing is this: we spend so much time searching when a league is struggling for big wins and opportunities to get big wins. You don't spend as much time comprehending the fact that in the games that you play that aren't big games, if you don't win those games, it's going to go down as a bad loss. And that's exactly what happened to Miami last week when it lost to Louisville at home. Those are the types of losses that put you on the wrong side of the bubble on Selection Sunday. Miami's another team that, again, went to the Elite Eight in 2022, went to the Final Four last year, and has been a bit of a disappointment this year. Now, part of it is obviously they've been a little bit banged up. They don't have great depth. That's been, you know, a storyline that's been well documented. But Miami had a home loss to Louisville, which is a quad four loss. And Miami was also dominated by a very good Colorado team, but dominated from tip to finish at the Barclays Center in December. So if you're the ACC and you want to be the league that you hope to be nationally, you can't have these many flagship-type programs not performing at a high level. I mean, think about this. Right now, the ACC has four teams in the top 50 of the net. That's kind of the sweet spot for making the NCAA tournament. The Mountain West has six. Wow. That's incredible to think about yeah. right there. John, I want to jump back to Syracuse for a minute here. You mentioned some players when you mentioned the Orange, but I want to get your assessment of Judah Mintz. He comes back for another year trying to round out uh, at the, the very top of the list is three-point shot if he wants to take that next step to the NBA. But we've seen other parts of his game evolve. You mentioned in that backcourt with J.J. Starling and how they're yeah. coming together here. How do you compare Judah Mintz to some of the, you know, you watched as much college basketball as anybody, to the standout players at his position in college basketball right now? Judah's a better player this year than he was last year. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And freshman usually make a big jump when they become sophomores. We've seen that with Judah Mintz. He's a better shooter than he was a year ago, which was the big knock on him as a freshman. The difference right now between Judah Mintz and some of the other great guards that there are in college basketball is, let's face it, Syracuse is not a team that has moved the needle when it's had big opportunities to do so and get big wins. And we start talking about players who are going to be selected as potential All-Americans. Those players are going to be playing 
on the best teams in college basketball. That is why when you think about Judah Mintz, you're not mentioning him like you're mentioning R.J. Davis, Tristan Newtons, Isaiah Stevens at Colorado State, Tyler Kolick of Marquette, who hasn't had a particularly great season but had a terrific game on Monday against Villanova. When Judah Mintz's statistics start translating towards a winning situation, he'll be viewed differently nationally. When we look around college basketball, we see a Joe Girard at Clemson. We see Kadari Richmond, who is just – he could be the biggest player of the year, as you have written. Could Hall. The transfer portal has settled in. We're not going back, right? This is yeah. a part of college basketball. Mm-hmm. Do we look at it as a positive overall? There's certainly negatives to it, but – it feels to me like this has just become, in a short period of time, normal. I think it's a benefit. I'm glad that these players get the opportunity to do it. But, you know, looking from a Syracuse perspective, some fans are probably looking out. It's, it's amazing. And I mentioned those two specifically, John, because they were battling for playing time at one point right. at Syracuse, but found their opportunities elsewhere. So just what's kind of your, your state of the portal? And, and if any changes need to be made, what would they be uh, in, in yeah. college hoops today with that? You know, I agree with you, uh, Brent, that – You know, it's here to stay. The toothpaste is out of the tube. There's no doubt about that. I understand wanting to have a universal transfer rule across sports and college athletics. That makes sense. And every player and athlete should have the opportunity one time to transfer without penalty. But there has to be some sort of guardrails on this thing moving forward. And I have been, and you know this probably by following me on social media, anti-waiver for the longest time because it creates a gray area. And when you have a gray area, you don't have an opportunity to get a lot of structure. So I firmly believe that if the NCAA were to be in a situation where it would put, you know, as a rule that every player has an opportunity to transfer one time without penalty, if they opt to transfer a second or third time after that, there has to be a year in residence unless a coach leaves or is fired. But unless those things happen, a second or a third or a fourth transfer has to be met with a year in residence because rules exist for a reason. And I think that the NCAA was going to try and stabilize this thing by making two-time transfers unlikely to play, obviously, with ease, which is why they went back to the waiver system. But if we just eliminated the waiver system, we wouldn't be in the situation that we are now. And I'm firmly happy for all these players who are getting the opportunity to play. But I also think that people need to understand that redshirting, if you really split the atom, is not necessarily a bad thing when you look at the history, even the recent history of college basketball. You know, Villanova and Virginia won the national championship in 2018 and 2019, respectfully. And those two programs and those two national championship games played a combined 16 players. Nine of those 16 players redshirted. Four were first-round picks, and two were lottery picks. So the redshirt year is not necessarily a detriment. And I also think we need to look at that there was obviously a situation with a young man who plays for West Virginia – who was endeavoring to be eligible as a two-time transfer. But I believe the judge who ruled in his favor that he could play immediately was a West Virginia alum, and the court was in Wheeling, West Virginia. And because of that ruling, all of a sudden, everything kind of went up, and all the rules that the NCAA put in place just went away. So, 
Look, the bottom line is this. I have been anti-waiver for a long time, but there needs to be structure moving forward because this current model is not sustainable. And also another thing, uh, the majority of these players, and it's not just basketball, it's every sport, are not going to play professionally or play in the NBA. So the most important thing for those players is making sure that they get the opportunity to earn a degree and get an education. The more these players are allowed to transfer without a year in residence, the harder it's going to be for these kids to graduate because credits are not going to be transferable. So I firmly think, look, if a player wants to transfer and be immediately eligible, he or she should have that opportunity one time. But after that, it's a year in residence. Oh, well said there, John. And uh, while we're on the subject of kind of big macro changes, if at all more needed in, in uh, college basketball these days, is there anything else that you've noticed along the way kind of sticking in your craw that they need to address to make the game better these days? You know, that is the main thing, you know, Brent. I think that stabilizing the transfer portal, you know, would, would go a long way in terms of, you know, stabilizing the game. Obviously, you know, I have been a huge advocate for years for NIL to be available to players. That's a really good thing. I think combining though, NIL without any guardrails combined with the transfer portal without any guardrails has created literally a sport that at times feels wilder than a goat rodeo. But if you can stabilize the transfer portal, I think that will stabilize a lot of things moving forward. And I've said that to coaches, like the NIL thing is a really good thing. Players should be able to make money off their name, image, and likeness. But, you know, we're seeing a scenario now where if a player isn't getting something from what he is capable or she is capable of getting NIL wise, they can go shop themselves around. So that all goes back to what I was saying in reference to needing to have guardrails on the transfer portal moving forward, which I'm not so sure we're going to have. By the way, I need to thank you as well. And I'm on this hill with you, by the way, for standing against expanding the NCAA tournament. It yeah. does not need to be expanded at all. I like your point about maybe let's change up the first four and who goes there. Yeah. I think that is that makes sense. That's a good little tweak. But, you know, I remember one point in time when Jim Beheim even said, let's put 96 teams in the tournament. Said, Are you insane? Like, yeah. of course, coaches love it because yeah. you get in the tournament and in some cases it could save your job, right? But it's, I know that you got to evolve and you got to change and you got to go at the times, but there's certain things – that you don't need to touch, right? And I would say some of your favorite Italian restaurants in New York City have, rest, have recipes. <laughs> don't touch them. They are what they are. I, I'm with you. I think the tournament is fine where it is, and it will be for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, I remember in the, the sequel to Jurassic Park, The Lost World, Jeff Goldblum said that, you know, taking dinosaurs off this island was the worst idea in the long, sad history of bad ideas. Expanding the NCAA tournament would be worse than that. Because all of a sudden, you're what you're doing is you're making the regular season meaningless because we're going to have literally every team with a pulse reach the NCAA tournament if you expand the field again by 28 teams. I mean, that's the last thing that we need. I mean, every Friday, you know, starting in January, I do a bracket projection of what the bracket would look like that week based on, you know, the, the metrics that day and the resumes that day. And you know, it's hard to make the NCAA tournament and it should be hard to make the NCAA tournament because it's not for everybody. But I agree with you. You know, there are a lot of coaches who are campaigning for it, mostly in non-power conferences. But the NCAA tournament is the greatest event in sports and there should be no look to expand today 
tomorrow or ever, but I do want to use this forum to reiterate what I've said. Every team that earns an automatic qualifier should have the right to experience the Thursday and Friday of the NCAA tournament. If you win a conference tournament, that should happen. But I also think, and I've you know been fortunate enough to get the assignment to work the first four the past couple of years in Dayton, which is great. You know, you have four standalone games, but I think it would be really, really intriguing to start the tournament off with the last eight at-large teams being, you know, obviously showcased the first two days of the tournament. John, last thing for me, uh, I love what you do on social media and the expressions and uh, people just relate to them. I'm sure people are at the point where they're kind of yelling them to you and they see you at games and the interaction there. Just did that spawn from Twitter? Are these things you were saying off Twitter before you got on social media? Do they just kind of naturally happen? Like, just tell me the origin of some of these great expressions that I think people associate with, with college basketball itself these days that you came up with and you can literally get the t-shirt for, by the way, these well, days, guys. Well, you know, Brent, you know, we've been in sports media, both of us for a long time. And I think the thought process was, you know, if you didn't play, you didn't coach, you know, you had to obviously be somebody who had some sort of written component to your work. You would hope to do, you know, some television, maybe obviously some podcasting as podcasting got into the space. But you had to be obviously very active in the news side of things, which is all really, really important. But I kind of said to myself a long time ago, if you want to obviously stand out in this space, you need to do things abnormally and not in a bad way, but just you couldn't do the job like anybody else was doing the job. And I was kind of like, you know, the only way that you're going to be good. And it's the same thing when you're doing television is you have to be the exact same person off air that you are on air. One of my first bosses a long time ago on radio told me that you've obviously heard the same thing too. And I have just kind of decided that I'm going to have my personality resonate through social media, whether it's tweeting about restaurants, whether it's tweeting about not wanting to see relatives with all the respect to my relatives that I love because the battle for Atlantis is going on on Thanksgiving Day. And I kind of saw that people gravitated to taglines and personality driven things because that's something that was authentic and nobody was doing. And when you, I think you see it a little bit more and more over time, that will go a lot longer than breaking a news story, getting a scoop, writing a great column, doing a great interview. And all of that stuff is still very important. But again, like I said, if you are thinking about being authentic and leaving a mark in this job, the last thing that you can do is do the job like anyone else. John, thank you so much for coming on. we got a few more months before we can sleep, but until then, it's college basketball time, and you're one of the go-tos for all the happenings out there in college hoops. We appreciate you coming on the Syracuse Sports Podcast today. We'll catch up down the road, my friend. Brent, Brent, happy new year. Awesome visiting with you. My thanks again to John Rothstein for joining us here on the program. He's a delight to talk to. We'll definitely have him on the pod somewhere down the road here. Okay, a couple of reminders for you guys. So don't forget uh, Syracuse basketball post game taking place after every Syracuse basketball game live on Facebook, live on X, 
I still call it Twitter. You still call it Twitter, but we'll give it its its formal title and on YouTube as well. So those are live after the game. But don't forget it archives here on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple. So if you subscribe to the Syracuse Sports Podcast, you will get those post-game shows. But we would love to have your feedback on those shows, particularly as a Syracuse Sports Insider, right? So make sure you sign up by texting the word ORANGE to 315 847 3895. Our next postgame show will be Saturday afternoon after Syracuse takes on Miami at the JMA Wireless Dome, the start of three straight at home for the Orange. See if they can bump up their winning streak to two after beating Pitt earlier this week. Unfortunately, that, uh, as we speak, is not a quad one win. It was for a few hours, but Pitt dropped below the threshold. And that's not a quad one win. Oregon knocking on the door. That's a good win for Syracuse, but not quite in the quad one territory. So Syracuse just has to keep winning. Miami would be a quad two win uh, being at home. So just keep winning, baby. And those quad wins will pile up and maybe just maybe Syracuse can work its way into the NCAA tournament conversation. Also coming this week is a podcast that I did with Connor Pignatello. So Connor, you may recognize the name. He covered uh, Syracuse women's basketball for us a year ago. He's a recent Syracuse grad wrote for the daily orange Connor was recently at the Hoopal Classic in Springfield, and there is a number of Syracuse targets already committed, notably Donnie Freeman, who had a great tournament, some future Orange commitments, perhaps Kai and Anthony being amongst them that were in Springfield, and Connor wrote some great stuff for us. I would encourage you to check that out on Syracuse.com. But I talked to Connor, particularly about Donnie Freeman, the kind of player he is. Very interesting quote that Adrian Autry had about Donnie Freeman, by the way, and what he could be doing for this year's basketball team. And just some good, meaty, recruiting talk. Recruiting with Connor. We will uh, do that podcast. We have done that podcast. You will see it. Uh, so today, as I record this, it is Tuesday the 16th. I believe that's going to come out on Friday. So keep an eye on that in addition to our post-game shows and some things coming through. Just subscribe, and you'll get the pods delivered directly to you as a Syracuse Sports Insider. I always send you guys the link as soon as it's uh, fresh and ready out of the oven. Here it is. Check it out. So lots happening this week. A lot of basketball talk on the Syracuse Sports Podcast this week. Uncle Brent's working on some other things for you, so stay tuned on that. Some names I think you're going to want to hear from. I'll just kind of leave it at that. Some I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Some names you want to hear from. So knock on wood, we're working hard behind the scenes on that. But thanks for listening today. Thanks for hanging. And we'll catch you next time on Syracuse Sports, presented by Krause Health, the exclusive health care partner for SU Athletics.